1: Welcome to the University of Pleasure.
0: Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation.
1: I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist.
0: And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, hey. I have to tell you, since our last episode with Dr. Leo, who was amazing, by the way.
1: People should totally listen to that episode. He oh, was so great. He was so helpful.
0: He's so helpful. I have been checking my butt clenching. Like five times fuck a fucking day. Like, am I clenching? Is my pelvic floor too tight? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to that episode and you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the University of Pleasure. Welcome back, everyone, our millions of fans out there to the University of Pleasure. It's good to be back. It's good to see you, Doc.
1: Oh, good to see you.
0: I know. I see me every day. I would feel the same if I were you. So, yeah, don't you agree?
1: I do agree.
0: Yes, of course you do. Well done. Anyway, we hope everybody is safe and healthy. We hope everybody is getting their vaccinations. And again, it's not for you. It's for everybody else. Not political. Just trying to take care of each other here. So try to go out and get those done. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see you all in person. I know we keep saying it, but once it's ready to go, you know, after the fall, maybe in the spring, we'll actually come to your channel. <laughs> ten- love-
1: what? What? You are just like listing seasons. <laughs> <laughs> At some point in fall or winter or spring or maybe summer, spring break. <laughs> <laughs> just... She's so full of shit. <laughs> what do you mean? I would literally,
0: like, once once everything opens up properly and, you know, all the variants are handled, everyone's got vaccines, we're going to do live shows. That's the
1: plan. You are such a huge fan of the vague announcement. There are things coming. Well, they are but coming. But no real, no real specific expectation in Listen, when, Just I have, when I
0: have firm dates, I give firm dates. I always say, hey, keep listening because there's a firm date coming because there's going to be a firm date for the Amy book. The audiobook version. That firm date is coming. I'm just waiting to find out exactly what it is from the company. <laughs> what are you giggling at? That's a true thing.
1: But I think the the audience might get more usefulness out of your announcement when you actually do have a firm date.
0: This is to keep them up to date that there is going to be an update.
1: Okay. All right. We should move along. Okay. I feel like we have different opinions on this. <laughs>
0: Well, we hope everybody is well. Today is one of my favorite type of episodes, as we all know, so we're going to jump right in. Doc, Ugh. you know Ugh. what it is, and if you've listened to the University of Pleasure, you probably know what's about to happen. It is <laughs> Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down Day for the Doc, good advice or bad advice, and I found a little book here that um I'm sure you're going to actually know what this is, like because it's well, I mean, we'll see if you know what it is.
1: You, I was... Do you want to explain what this? Do you want to, just in case people have just started tuning in? Do you want to explain what this segment is? No, why Jeremiah? don't you
0: explain it? Go ahead.
1: Oh, okay. Well, this is where Jeremiah tortures me by randomly finding uh, sometimes very abstract or old or mostly things that he know will annoy me. Pieces of like sex advice or relationship advice, uh, and you've really found some real. Real gems. Um, oh, and then he delicious. asked me if I think the advice in them is good or bad advice because he knows that I do not like giving all or nothing responses to a thing.
0: It is so – it's like num 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 num. It's so great. It's one of the few times that I, in, in this podcast, get to just stick it to the dock a little bit. And uh, I kind of live for these episodes <laughs> <laughs> because she literally – once we start filming these things – You know, you will get to see her squirm like she hates it. She hates she just wants to be in the gray.
1: It seems like you purposely find things that I often will be uncomfortable or, you know, are going to, like, really rile me up. And I have a suspicion that today is not an exception.
0: It never is, Doc. It never is. Here we go. Are you ready? See if you know this book. This is a very famous book. OK. Uh, copyrighted
1: 1957. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> come on. <sighs> uh, here
0: we go. Plain Facts About Sex by Eugene B. Moses, M.D., a doctor's frank and complete guidebook for
1: teenagers <laughs> oh yeah we haven't talked about like teen like teen sort of sexual health stuff that's like well that's a good topic so we'll see what comes of this i'm not gonna lie given the year the copyright year i have some concerns that some of this may be a bit outdated so well,
0: <laughs> i mean if the sex that i got from my parents is any indicator if they read this book then uh, i think you're going to have some struggles with the advice here <laughs> So I'm gonna want a thumbs up, thumbs down from the doc. So here we go. We're gonna start at chapter six. The sex morals of today's youth, circa
1: 1957. Already terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so Older people. Whenever right here uh, what was sorry. that? Whenever I, was you here, hear whenever, what? whenever I whenever I hear the phrase sex morals, I already go, oh, man, <laughs> this is not <laughs> the direction. I'm super excited about. But please, please proceed.
0: Are you ready now? Are you ready I'm, to be just hammered with 1957's knowledge for sexual teen youth?
1: Sure. Okay. Yes. My guess is uh, teen youth that they're probably hoping won't be sexual. But yeah, <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs>
0: You are Catevo, core composer. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Older people have a tendency to say this generation of young people is going to the dogs. But then every generation has been going to the dogs since the dawn of history. When your parents were the younger generation, their parents said the same thing about them. But if the younger generation is as bad as it is supposed to be, most of the blame can be placed on the parent's shoulders for not having given their children a proper moral guidance.
1: Ooh, hot burn, Eugene Moses. Sorry. Right? Dr. <laughs> Doctor Moses.
0: Dr. Moses. Something tells me he's probably not alive anymore. But then I'm going to feel really bad if he's like 105 years old and like I didn't, I should have probably We're giving done him research. shit right now? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's
1: probably not great.
0: <laughs> the vast majority of teenagers today have high standards of morality. There are some, though, who are quote-unquote, fast. The boys who take out girls for one thing and one thing only, in quotes, and the girls who have the reputation for going to the limit. These are the ones who, because they do not value moral or civil laws, get into trouble and come to the attention of the public. Ooh. -hmm. Wow! Already, this
1: is very feels a little jud. Not a little, a lot judgy. It's very.
0: Listen, it's the '50s, and he just wants to make sure that you don't do anything, do nothing. You have to have a strong moral compass, doc. Okay.
1: Because they don't value moral or civil laws, like that's a very overreaching statement. Well, in a lot of
0: states, you know, back then, I mean, and even some states now, was isn't it illegal to like? have anal play and stuff like that so i mean it was look, like
1: illegal th- it was like illegal to do nearly everything sexual exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so
0: civil laws and clearly they are you know moral degenerates so many times they also, are the like, products just of
1: really clear also can we just really clarify it? they they were not actually moral degenerates. It just was more an indication of the values of the time. And maybe some of that judgment was actually harmful and problematic for some folks trying to young folks, some teens trying to figure out their sexuality.
0: Well, I mean maybe, but this guy is also a doctor and what he says has value and we're not there yet. So I'm going to ask you for thumbs up and thumbs down. And that was kind of already a thumbs down, which was very direct. And I kind of dug it. So I'm going to take that as Doc already says two thumbs down.
1: (laughs) What I, well, What I'm saying is, yes, while couched in the times, some of that messaging around that stuff that, you know, I work with older adults, some of that messaging is messaging that's still part of the root of sexual struggles that people are having today or messaging that they did hand down their kids and they took with them. And it's part of why. A, I'm very busy all the time, and (laughs) B, um, that, you know, the stuff that we talk about, like why people struggle in the way that they do around shame and sex, because, you know, like you think about statements like that, like that's a pretty strong statement. You don't value moral or civil law if you have, you know, certain like sexual drives, urges, or behave in a way that's like not expected or atypical of you. Just saying, already setting the stage for some problems.
0: I mean, I... I would have to agree with you on this, Doc. It's definitely two thumbs down. That's what the Doc is actually saying here. So, (sighs) back to what the other doctor had to say. (sighs) Many times, they are the products of bad conditions at home. These conditions having nothing to do with whether they are rich or poor, but more often than that, they are what they are because of the bad influence of the company they keep.
1: Can we pause on that? Sorry, I'm gonna have a lot to say. I think about what this doctor's opinions are. Just, I need to prepare everyone for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, feel, I feel. I tell often. I'll talk to people about like really pay attention to your your body. And I feel like my fists are clenched very tight. <laughs> <laughs> my up to my ears and i think that, that suggests that i'm feeling a little stressed about some of the things that you're saying um oh, so joyous so, this, is, uh,
0: this uh, is why i love uh, these episodes huh that's why i love these episodes
1: i know because they make me so i guess like i fall into it every time i never should have agreed to this segment <laughs> <laughs> we give you exactly what you want for me no this idea that like God, this messaging around like having sexual wants, needs, interests, things that, uh, you know, like, like that, you know, when we people are going through puberty and adolescence, you know, their body is sending them all of these very real cues, not everybody, but a lot of people's bodies are sending them a lot of cues around being really interested in sex and sexuality. And that's really part for many people where that kind of have you ever seen uh, the show Big Mouth? Of course. Yeah. It's brilliant. The shame shame monster. Oh, the shame monster is so good. For those of you who haven't watched it, they they really get puberty. Very.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's right on the money.
1: Yeah, some people might find it offensive in certain ways, but I do think that they really get the idea of puberty really well in in their sort of illustration of it. But there's something called the shame monster that shows up during puberty for some folks, right? And I think that these are some of the kind of messages that frankly are still around today, and they might be more subtle and less egregious than they were then, that teens at the beginning of really their sexual development start to internalize right away. You know, like this idea that if somebody is engaging sexually in a way that someone maybe doesn't approve of or someone else sees as problematic, that somehow that has to do with like assumptions that that's a bad home life or bad influence. Like maybe it's not just like, oh, I don't know, biology. Well, I can honestly
0: (laughs) tell you. So when I was younger, living in upstate New York, there were girls in, you know, we lived in like a track housing area, right? then there were some you know kids from you know uh, a poor part of or, or like a, a lower income socioeconomic status level yeah, how am i supposed to say this i don't want to be offensive they 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 you know they, they they didn't have a lot of money.
1: I think you're I think you're talking about maybe lower income or people with lower socio socioeconomic status. Thank or... you very
0: much. I just want to make sure we're very clear. I never want to you know I don't want to say something that comes across as disrespectful, but you know what you just said, and then my mother would be like, well, you know, because they come, you know, they don't, they're from that, they don't have a lot of money. And so, so it kind of like harks to write like what we're talking about right here. You know what I mean? And then, you know, of course, there was a whole thing of like, don't have sex, Jeremiah, until you're married. It's for making babies. And it's what Jesus loves. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Just didn't quite gel with me. And, uh, clearly I didn't stick into those
1: guidelines. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, to your point, right. Like your mom's attitude around that, like children that have like, or teens that have, or people that have like a reputation, right. Like, like to that point, like associating that with a certain like quote unquote class of people or type of people, because what that does is it assumes about sexuality, that it's something that, is specific to socioeconomic status or or that it's something that's specific to race, class, gender, when in reality, lots of people have sexual needs, right, like sexual experiences and have these sort of experiences across all of these kind of, um, you know, different elements of diversity. But we really have pigeonholed certain people or certain groups of people into like, oh, these are the people that have these type of experiences. And this that messaging is very real. And frankly, in many ways, it's very still real today.
0: Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. So Doc yet again says, two thumbs down. <laughs> she, just, I she gets so annoyed when I do it. I love it. Okay, so some boys who are poorly adjusted and unsure of themselves, try to compensate by pretending to be something that they aren't, by exaggerating or more often simply boasting. They try to build up their reputation of being a ladies' man in the belief that this makes them more attractive to girls. You probably know some of these so-called wolves. Maybe you admire or envy such a boy Imitating his actions and or repeating what he had said he has done as if you had done the same thing. If you're doing this to make yourself more attractive to girls, don't. You're defeating your purpose. Girls do not want to hear what you have to say about other girls. What do you think of that, Doc? <laughs> Bulls. I'm not- us wolves
1: (laughs) wolves uh there's so many gender biases and like like, (laughs) yeah so much there's so many gender biases as well as like and i understand that it's like in the time but also so many like like heterocentric beliefs right like just the idea that like everyone's only liking Like, you know, everyone's only heterosexual. There's just so many limitations to all of the things that are being said here. But if I may, I kind of want to be a little bit like, hey, Dr. Eugene, stay in your lane. Why are you talking to people about flirting? Like, <laughs> this, is not, this is not plain facts about sex. This is Dr. Eugene's, what seemed like Dr. Eugene's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Flirting behavior with teens. Yeah. I don't know if I'm reading that correctly. No, I mean, mean,
0: to me, it's coming across more of opinions. It's not coming across like there are studies done at the, you know, University of Harvard that show that blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of like, here's what I think about boys and girls who are teenagers. They're degenerate and they just want to screw. And you shouldn't do that because you have no morals if you do that.
1: Right. But the problem is, is this person has a doctor in front of their name, right? Which means that people read this book or parents or teens, and then they take it as real, right? Like some people do, not everybody. I always encourage critical thinking and analysis, right? Absolutely you do. it's like, especially maybe at the time, and I'm not going to lie, I could go in a really long soliloquy about like, this is this is an MD, but like in the field of psychology, there were lots of psychologists that had, or psychiatrists that had doctors in front of their doctor in front of their name, that just kind of like said shit, and then people took it as fact and end up being kind of harmful. I'm not going to go on about Freud, but I have lots of strong opinions. There <laughs> you go. Some- there you go. Especially about Freud and sexuality. But those things were held as truths and often in ways that were really harmful to people yeah. because it started to create all of these really limiting and very narrow beliefs about human sexuality. And to me, this is just a perpet- perpetuation of that. And also not surprising because it's 1957. Right. So.
0: Exactly. And you have to be very careful when you have a doctor in front of your name. So, I mean, because people will take what you say as law. They trust in you. And that's why I'm always very careful being Dr. Jeremiah James of Lovin, that I make sure that everybody knows that, hey, you know what I mean? Like, whatever floats your boat, I'm happy to go whatever you need. You know what I'm saying, Doc? Like, I don't want to tell people things, you know, that are absolute law being a doctor of love.
1: Right. Well, I first and foremost hope that nobody is taking what you're saying as absolute law. And I also hope they're not taking what I'm saying as absolute absolute law, because just because someone has a certain education level does not mean that they are now the ultimate expert on your individual experience.
0: Listen, I listen, I use you all the time in arguments with my wife. I'm just like, I'm sorry, she's a doctor and she said X, Y and Z. So I just have to trust her opinion. She's got it. She's a doctor. So. Sorry.
1: Well, and I think off the air, we should have a separate conversation about you using my name in that way.
0: (laughs) But you know, my wife, you know, my wife, if I literally tried to even pull that card, you know, Carrie well enough to know, like, I'd be like, well, Dr. Tara said that she'd be like, do you think I give a mother?
1: That is appropriate, healthy response, right? the reality is like this is not an exact science we talk all all the time about like individual experience there's so much variety in it so no one i and i just that is probably part to get back to this probably one of the hard things i have is when uh people write in this way or talk about sex and sexuality or frankly psychology in this way which is in this very like this is what it is it's a fact and i'm like are you kidding there's so much diversity in human experience probably not so
0: there we are. Now, I think this is a good time to take a break because I'm going to now jump into after this, what good old Dr. Eugene thinks of young ladies. Yeah. So I think we're going to take a break now and then we're going to jump right back in, Doc, and you're going to give us another thumbs up or thumbs down and what Dr. Eugene thinks of young women in the 1950s that are teenagers.
1: What a highly relevant episode we're doing today. <laughs> Let's talk more about this 1957. (laughs) Yeah, when
0: the 1957 Chevy (laughs) came out. Yes, people. We'll be right back. And we're back, folks. I know you were all dying With with anticipation to know what Dr. Eugene has to say about Young teenage ladies in the 1950s. I know I'm excited to talk about it. I know the doc is chomping at the bit just to know what this guy had to say about teenage women and sexuality in 1957. Something tells me you might not give it a thumbs up, but I mean, I'm just guessing. So here we go. There are some girls who feel that in order to be popular, they must do the expected thing. Oddly enough, most boys don't expect anything.
1: Okay, well, no. (laughs) All right. I I just can't. No. So that, oh, that one's really hard for me to tolerate that (laughs) idea. Because, because, okay, there's lots of problems with that statement. But my no, right, is that when we are a normative part of development is trying to figure out our place in peer groups as part of like how we develop our identity and it's really normative while painful also really normative to be like hey, what's expected of me in these social situations? And that is across gender. I do not think <laughs> that only girls care what people think, right? I think that that is across gender. I think people care about expectations. People, especially teens, adolescents, young adults, and frankly, full grown adults, I still care, all right? So I, See? I, I think is people, especially in that age range you're developing, it's really normative to be like, hey, what's expected of me? And then to feel pressure to fall into that. I do not think that that's a gendered experience.
0: Well, Dr. Eugene disagrees. He thinks that clearly uh, women care about this stuff and men don't. And we hold no expectations of what happens in the bedroom. So, um, you know, ladies got to get on board in 1957, okay? Got to work on that. So, (laughs) shall I continue?
1: I mean, I guess if (laughs) you have to.
0: Even the boy with the reputation of being a wolf has a basic respect for girls, in spite of all his bragging. How far he will go depends entirely how far the girl lets him go. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: <laughs> come on. I'm sorry. I couldn't even, I couldn't even I finish it. you to explain why that's a problem. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry, folks. Normally, I can keep it together, but this is that was just so brutal.
1: <laughs> you picked this book. You please explain why that statement is a problem.
0: Well, we live in a world now, uh, which is clearly not 1957, where there has been much evolution in uh, the respects of consent, and consent uh, is not how far. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh because it's a horrible thing, but just the fact that this was written down on a on a page, (laughs) like explaining that like it's law. So to say how far he goes will depend entirely how far the girl lets him go. Like that is madness. I I mean, by any standard or evaluation, I I got. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I don't even know that in the '50s that would be common. To say like how far she lets him go. Like,
1: I don't know. That's a pretty that I, I would I would say that that was a I mean and I wasn't alive in the 1950s, so you know. Otherwise, other you look don't.
0: great. <laughs> yeah,
1: thanks. Uh, but um, you know, I think I think that that has been actually often a, a popular experience, right, or a popular sort of opinion, or at you least so? an like opinion that then? has traction, that has gotten un I think not helpful, but traction, this idea that like it is up to like boys, that idea like boys will be boys and it's up to girls to decide when it's over. And if it goes too far, that's on the girl because she should have stopped him. Like there's so many problematic elements. She should have
0: stopped him. She shouldn't have worn that short skirt. She shouldn't have looked so sexy.
1: Yeah. Like she was inviting it. Here's the thing, as much as this like drives me really nuts and it really does, like I feel itchy, like I just like all over, it's giving me hives. (laughs) But I think that, which is why you enjoy it so much, this is like, like, this is a piece of history, right? And we're looking at a piece of history that is a popular sort of sex education idea. And like, we probably, if we searched through, we could find many sex ed books Later than the 1950s, I'll tell you that, that are saying really similar things. And these are belief systems that people are still fighting against, right? So this isn't like so ancient history that, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, we all know that's total BS. No, like some people legitimately still carry around some of those beliefs or have been heavily impacted in their lives by them and then now carry some maybe emotional or, you know, psychological distress as a result of some of these things. Like, for instance, you know, I've worked with folks uh, across generations, but some folks who really had some pretty traumatic and difficult sexual experiences because they didn't know what to do. And maybe they got pregnant at a young age, or maybe they had a sexual experience they didn't want to have. And because of their gender, right, being like female identified, that then other people were like, well, that's on you.
0: Which is madness. Like, that's on you. Oh, that's just, yeah, it's all your fault. Like, like I just... Listen, even for me, it makes my skin crawl. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: I wish Laura Rademacher was here because, you know, Ooh. she has visited for our two episodes around the complexities consent, right? Hi, and it really, Laura,
0: your best Hi, friend.
1: It really speaks to that kind of piece that, like, you also, like, sometimes people don't know what they want in the moment. And this idea of letting somebody, Curious consent.
0: Curious consent.
1: Right. Or the people
0: on the spectrum. See, I listened to that. I was paying attention. Did you see that? I pulled that out. Boom. Like reached for it. It wasn't even that far away. Like I just was like, yoink. Curious consent. That's what we're talking about right there. Boom. Laura Rademacher, you're the best.
1: Right. Well, I appreciate that, but that wasn't what I was talking about. What the
0: hell are you talking about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) talking about is this idea that like you know part of the difficulties that people may have around consent right is not always knowing how to communicate that they're uncomfortable right or feeling like they're communicating that they're uncomfortable and that's not being read right so like if we think about this idea of letting someone go too far that supposes that if sexual activity goes beyond where someone is comfortable that like that somehow there wasn't an error on the male end of the spectrum, right? Like somehow that that only could possibly be because someone like in this case, they're talking about cisgender boys and girls that a cisgender girl didn't appropriately. Communicate well, that's because,
0: that. um, you know, uh, uh, LGBT and all that didn't exist back then. Back then, it was just, you know, your dad's friend lived with his best friend, you know, or he was There's... the choir director. You know, so that's probably why that's not in this book. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yes. I mean, obviously, that's what I meant earlier. around like very heterocentric, right? Like yeah. assuming that everyone is uh, heterosexual, like just sort of ignoring a lot of the variety of these experiences. But also to say it's really it's just really an upsetting book, Jeremiah. At the end of the day, the answer is just that this is an upsetting book.
0: So <laughs> so- says, two thumbs down. <laughs> Well, I've got a little bit more to read here, and then I'm I'm going to want your full review. Okay, so skipping ahead here in the book. Okay, I'm okay. going to read this last part because I think it is extremely important, and we've talked about this here on the podcast. So uh, I think our fans uh, will have something to maybe say. Masturbation circa
1: 1957.
0: <laughs> A boy is likely to have more misinformation about the habit of masturbation than perhaps any other phase of a teenager's sex life. A generation ago, a number of articles appeared, some of them even written by doctors, which described the awful consequences of masturbation. It was claimed that the habit, if long continued, would lead to softening of the spinal cord Insanity and loss of manhood, or sterility. <laughs>
1: yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, in this, like, it just gives you such a hilarious view of like historical context. Like, Doctor Eugene's about to take a liberal stance right now. Yeah,
0: super <laughs> liberal stance. Super liberal <laughs> you can't stance.
1: Hear what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my favorite on, on that is like your spinal cord. Like, it's, like <laughs> if you,
1: you jerk off
0: too much. You're gonna not be able to walk one day. Your <laughs> spinal cord's just gonna crap out. Okay, so here's his liberal stance for you, doc. Today, a boy still hears so many solemn warnings about the destructiveness of this habit that he may halfway believe it is somehow harmful to his general health. Whatever objections may be raised against it, and there are some objections on other grounds. The simple fact is that masturbation in itself won't affect a boy's health in the least degree, nor will it lead to insanity.
1: Let's just pause there because I feel like that's the one point where I can be like, okay, thank you, Dr. Eugene, for clarifying that. And now let's get into all the other stuff that's about to upset me. Exactly.
0: Because you know it's a perfect setup. It's It's like, you know, you know it's coming.
1: My defenses are down. Let's just do it.
0: (laughs) claims that it will (laughs) are sheer nonsense. The really harmful effects come from believing in such stories and the unnecessary worrying they cause. There is another angle from which masturbation should be considered. It may reflect the whole attitude of the boy towards sex. For if he gives in easily to his momentary impulses and indulges in the habit to a great extent, it will tend to magnify the role or the importance of sex. What do you think of that? So basically, if you jerk off more, you're going to turn into a wolf, according to (laughs) Dr. Eugene. And you're going to, uh, you know, have problems with, uh, you know, not being able to control your momentary impulses. Essentially, if you jerk off too much, these men are a roving band of wolves ready to attack you, unexpected young women.
1: Do you know what I think is really interesting about this is like it's the same vagueness that's always been around around masturbation. I think it's still around this like masturbates like that. What did you say to an extent? What was the language that you use? Oh. Masturbates to an extent.
0: Yes. Let me get there. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were putting me on the spot so quickly. I had already put it down. Okay. Okay is says, the other angle from which masturbation should be considered, it may reflect the whole attitude of the boy towards sex, for if he gives in easily to his momentary impulses and indulges in the habit to a great extent, it will tend to magnify the role or the importance of sex preoccupation okay. with the pleasures. Yes.
1: Thank you. To a great extent what the hell does that mean? Like, so the reason I say that is because people often, I mean, still, I have many dialogues with people about like, I'm worried I'm masturbating too much. Right. And the reality is, is a lot of, we don't really have any like marker for like how much sex is too much sex right right like how much masturbation is too much masturbation right like you know it always drives people nuts because my answer is like well it depends like what's the purpose of it what's the role Mm -hmm. that it's playing in your life is it interfering how is it interfering and that is still something like that idea like to a great extent like if i was a teenager and i was reading that ever because this stuff i feel like still kind of exists this idea like oh to a great extent or too much i would be like well I don't know I'm doing it twice a day is that to a great extent? What's to a great extent, right? Like right. you put yourself in the position of like I don't know like a 14-year-old person reading this. Like Man. what does that actually mean? Yeah. And then you have to start questioning and getting worried that like well I'm I'm glad it won't lead to insanity or my spinal cord falling out my butt, but what <laughs> what's going to happen? Because I don't know how much is to a great extent. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> like
0: so true uh, so true doc it just, well it was like Dr. Leo was saying on our last episode like you know we were talking about something and he was like you know we don't know about like you know if you masturbate you know copious amounts that like there's a rumor that that helps the prostate stay strong and I was like is that true and he was like well we don't really you know know like how much is a lot how much you know you know, and yep. so this is kind of that same type of scenario. See, yet again, paid attention. Just want to say, good job. Just want to I feel like
1: you pay attention to the guest experts much more than me.
0: <laughs> That's probably true. I'm trying to be at my best behavior with them. So I'm really, really engaged.
1: Yeah, you are really trying. I see yeah. that. I see that in you. I give you credit. Thanks. I am pleased that you can behave for company. Good <laughs>
0: <job>. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Okay. Even to this day, even when I was younger, there was a lot of, of, you know, Shame around masturbation. I know we've talked about it here in the podcast, but, like, you know, back then it was – I mean, clearly. I mean, to say things like, you know, that he, if you do it too much that you're not going to be able to control yourself around women. Like, you know, I mean, that's just – I mean, you you instill fear in people. Like, really great shame-based sex ed here, Doc right. Eugene. Right,
1: right. Yeah, well, also – As an aside, sometimes masturbation can be a useful tool to meet some of your sexual needs, so you don't rely too much on a partner. Then to meet those, right? Correct. Like, so sometimes it's actually rather than like creating, like it's not like a like a lawnmower like engine that you're starting where it's like I turned it on, now I can't turn (laughs) it off. You know, like it's more this idea that like that might be another way to meet a sexual need that actually is really healthy and really helpful. Yeah, and doesn't actually create this like idea of like total then uh what's the word that i'm looking for like you know uncontrollable behavior with another person right Right. which is not to say that if you don't masturbate that's a risk either i'm just saying Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it can be a really healthy way so the the irony of that is notable but can i ask you a separate question because you have this is there anything on this chapter about girls masturbating is it even mentioned Mm. How very fascinating. Isn't that interesting, Doc? I was wondering
0: if you were going to ask me that.
1: How very fascinating. Yes. It's such a, and, and I think that, like, you know, what's really interesting is I've worked, and I'm thinking about the timing of this, and I actually am thinking about how does that impact older adults? How does that impact different generations in terms of how they've explored their sexuality? And I think about a number of cisgender women that I've worked with, like maybe over the age of 50, 60, that, like, have come in really, you know, having struggles uh, knowing what it is that they like sexually. Maybe you've never learned to orgasm. Don't get me wrong, tons of people, I don't wanna like say, like, nobody over the age, no, no cis women over the age of 50 know how to orgasm. Plenty do, right? But like, or know what they like sexually. Plenty of people do. But there are many women that I've worked with that have been like, I don't know what I like because I was never given permission to learn that, right? And then that might be causing relational struggles with a partner who's like, Well, why can't you tell me what you want? Why can't you tell me how to get you off? Well, because you were maybe given some permission by Dr. Eugene here to try it out for a little bit and figure out what you liked and what helped you feel good. But I'm not even mentioned in the freaking chapter. Not even there. Like like my and it's really funny. I give this I don't know if I've talked about on this podcast. You know, like when you think about even now, I think a really good sort of like. Uh, way to like point out gender differences is like let's say you're at a dinner party and you go to a dinner party and you sit down and you know it's you're there and let's say the hosts have um, a young cisgender son right and they might be like ah yeah Timmy's yeah, Timmy's upstairs, you know, he's been in his room a lot alone lately. We all know what he's up to, right? Right, and then right. Like Everyone, Some people at the table might be like, well, that's kind of awkward, but people will laugh. But most of the people at the table will know what we're ta- they're talking about.
0: Of course.
1: But if you change the gender and you you have those same hosts, let's say they have a cisgender daughter, right? And they say, oh, well, Sally's up in her room a lot, you know, spend a lot of time alone up there. We all know what she's doing. The reality is that, not everyone at the table is going to know what they're talking about. Some people are going to go, what's wrong with Sally? What is she doing in her room? Yeah. Some, people will, some people will go, are they suggesting she's masturbating? This is kind of weird, right? Right. Like, you're going to have a totally different reaction. And that's today. Oh,
0: uh-huh. right? listen, even you just saying that, like genuinely, just you you're putting it out there in that way. Like you said it about the boy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, just jerking off, you know. And then you were like switching the gender. And I was like, oh, that would never happen. No one would ever right. say that.
1: I mean, it might happen in certain circles with people ah, that very are really, rare. right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hang out with a lot of sex therapists. It might hang out <laughs> in my circles. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it may not In a lot of homes or a lot of dinner parties or whatever, if you create that kind of scenario, you know, and never mind talking about like people with non binary identities or trans identities or things like that, right? Like there's just very different permissions given to who gets to masturbate and when they get to explore pleasure. And that's a very real thing. And that's still a very real thing now.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. As we wind down to the end of this episode, the doc gives Eugene two enthusiastic thumbs down. Would you say so, Doc? Would you say they're thumbs down?
1: I mean, you know,
0: let me just speak for I, you. It's fine. She says two thumbs down.
1: I if I take that that this book and put it in context of twenty twenty one, and would I give this book to people to read now and say, Hey, really take a lot of this advice seriously? The answer would be no. Right? <laughs> but if you put it in historical context, I don't know. We could read a bunch of books from 1957, and he, he may, this legitimately may have been a guy that got in a lot of trouble for saying that you wouldn't, like, I don't know, die of some horrible disease if you stop masturbating, right? Like, yeah. Dr. Eugene could have gotten in a lot of trouble for some of those statements. Like, that's a very real thing that is could true. have happened. That is, I don't know. That
0: is very true. He could have been very controversial for his time.
1: Right. And, you know, so it's hard to like take something out of history and to be like, two thumbs down, because like the historical context does kind of matter. But would I recommend, do I think that these, uh, and again, we didn't read the whole book, right? But like the stuff that you're talking about, do I think that that messaging regardless of historical context, impacted people and in certain ways maybe helped set up situations for people where they felt more shame or had more struggles and then maybe passed some of that same messaging along to other people. Yeah, I'd say that there's some problems in some of <laughs> these the, a
0: the couple of, issues,
1: couple of issues. A couple of issues in this. <laughs> and as always, I really appreciate you. One of these days you're gonna like bring me a legitimately good there's so many great sex advice and like relational like that's not fun.
0: Just... Why would that be fun for me? There's like, there's there's nothing fun about bringing a book where you're like, I totally agree with all of the so things that they say. So we
1: should change. We should change the segment to like bad advice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, you're a good sport as always, Doc. It was so good to see you, as per always, and truthfully, thank you for all that you do for everybody. I know I say that off almost every episode, but it is true. I know you're getting back into in-person sessions, and uh, so keep on rocking and rolling and helping people, and that's just awesome. And uh, just remember, folks, anything I say is law, because I'm Jeremiah James, the doctor of love. So must believe everything I say, because I have a doctor in front of my name. Right, Doc?
1: No, all of that is false. Please okay. engage in critical thinking about anything that we say on this podcast.
0: <laughs> Such a... You just, just ruin everything.
1: <laughs> I know that I do. And that is what brings me That's what brings me great joy, Jeremiah, is taking those things away from you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ultimate player hater, the duck. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of the University of Pleasure. And uh, again, please take care of yourselves and take care of each other and uh, just be kind. To one another. And we will be uh, talking to you again next week. But we won't because we're going to be on vacation. Right, Doc?
1: Yes, we are.
0: So, have a great vacation, Doc. Have a happy 4th of July.
1: You have a happy 4th of July. I said that so aggressively. You you have one.
0: You (laughs) You will have a happy 4th of July or else.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I hope you have a lovely 4th of July.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Take care, Doc. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.